Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Small Council Radio. Thank you so much for uh, listening in for this episode. I'm super excited uh, to talk about this. Um, ever since they kind of released the news about the NCUs, I you know, couldn't wait to make this uh, episode, but they had been hitting us with so much uh, info that uh, kind of had to wait on this show. But so for those that haven't read the title already, uh, tonight's show, we will be talking about the state of NCUs in 1.7. So for those of you that have been just a little behind on some of the stuff that they've revealed, uh, they did discuss how there will be no more NCU commanders and they will all be getting uh, field commanders uh, in their place. And then also um, all three-point NCUs will be going away and the new point bracket for NCUs are gonna range from four to six points. So with all of that said, uh, I mean, that uh, I would say that drastically changes the way a lot of us are probably going to be looking at list building. But before we get into all that, I um, just want to do a couple shout outs uh, at the beginning here. So for those of you that um, have been listening to us for a while, uh, the best thing you can do for us is to like and share and follow us on you know any of the outlets that we have our show recorded on, um, which is Song of Ice and Fire Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Um, you know, we don't, uh, we don't really need um, any sort of uh, financial support in any way, but just helping uh, grow the channel by, you know, sharing it out whenever you can. If you like our content, um, you know, I would really appreciate it if you uh, did one of those three things, uh, if not all of them, uh, on whatever platform that you listen to us on. And then uh, regardless of the platform you listen to us on, if you could go on to our Facebook and give our Facebook page a like. Uh, we do it where every 100 likes we get, we uh, do a unit box giveaway. We're currently sitting at, I believe, 700. And I think we're like 30, maybe less than 30 uh, likes away from another giveaway. So definitely go check that out. I've noticed that we do have about uh, 30 more followers than we do likes. Uh, so for those of you that are unsure if you've liked the page uh, and you know you're following us on Facebook, definitely go there and check it out. Uh, make sure that you're liked. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd great, greatly appreciate it. So, um, but with us tonight, we have uh, Brett. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. And uh, we are waiting on a potential guest. Uh, when he gets on, uh, I'll uh, I'll introduce him. Um, but yeah, uh, so for the state of NCUs, it's it's an interesting topic because I think it it charts into that uh, unknown territory for a lot of people. Um, some people have just been so used to uh, three NCUs, especially NCU commanders that. Uh, you know, this is probably, in my opinion, the biggest change that we've seen uh, throughout the whole game. What do you think, Brett?
Are you still there, Brett? Uh, yeah, I think we've seen a few pretty substantial changes, some things that are pretty cool. Um, but as far as shaking up the meta goes, like as far as um, changing the core way that people are playing the game right now, the NCU one is pretty substantial. Um, NCU commanders are incredibly popular. Generally, you see one NCU commander in every list pairing. Um, some people run strictly NCU commanders. Uh, NCU commanders generally are the highest rated commander in their faction. Uh, I don't have stats in front of me right now to quote this, but I'm feeling pretty certain that Courtney Penrose is the highest rated um, Baratheon commander, followed by Axel, uh, both NCUs. The High Sparrow is the highest rated Lannister commander. Uh, maybe Tyrion, they're pretty close, but I'm pretty sure the Sparrow has the higher rating. Uh, Starks is definitely the highest commander as Howland. And uh, I feel pretty certain that Roos leads neutrals. Anyway, this, continu this continues. Mother of Dragons leads Targaryens. But I think just in general, well, not with Night's Watch, because Jewel leads Night's Watch. But with, with a few exceptions, the NCU commanders are the highest rating commanders seems pretty obvious. They give an activation. The activations in this meta are super important. Um, additionally, it gives you that free spot on the tactics board where people are liking to take three NCUs, so you're not having to buy that third NCU. So not just a free activation, but a free NCU is pretty substantial. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, Going back to the start of this game, uh, and even the start of the show, uh, for those that have been listening to us for a long time, uh, you would know that uh, from our earlier episodes, I was pretty strong about my opinion that uh, the way I list built two NCUs, no more, no less, uh, um, with the exception of an NCU commander. Um, but it was, I guess it was more so no more than like eight, maybe nine points invested in NCUs because I, I always uh, played towards liking a stronger field presence. But as I started to develop my, uh, my um, tournament play style, I started finding ways to get uh, three NCUs without having to reduce my number of combat units. And I think uh, that made attachments suffer i think the most out of anything um i i would if i needed to find my way into a third ncu i would just look at my attachments and see what i could do without and usually i could find at least three points for those three point ncus but now those three and uh three point ncus are gone and we're going to start seeing you know four points be the minimum so with no ncu commanders you're looking at a minimum 12 point investment and though I'm not saying that isn't still viable, if you can find the right four points of strong NCUs, but I think, uh, I think it'll be healthy. I think you're going to see a lot more diverse lists and you're going to see um, a lot more people uh, warming up to the uh, idea of two NCUs where they were pretty adamant about three NCUs at all times. Yeah. Um... I feel like at least from the American side, it didn't necessarily feel like three NCUs was super mandatory, at least not the way we were playing the game. Um, obviously, going back to Gen Con 2019, uh, there was a lot of uh, two NCU builds, uh, myself included. And uh, I ran into several matches 
where there were just two. I believe I played a Night's Watch player that just had two NCUs, or three NCUs, excuse me, and then my final Howland match was a three NCU list, but I know for certain I faced a three-dog list that was only two NCU, and I think one of the other Stark players I faced may have just been two. Um, But with that said, it seems like nearly every list particularly that's being played on TTS in the competitive environment is three NCUs. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at stats right now. So Holland is uh, by far the number one highest commander in out of any commander being played uh, in any faction, uh, let alone Starks. Then the next, uh, let's see, Targaryens, Mother of Dragons. But I mean, that's, Dragons are really hard to deal with um, or imp- nearly impossible for some builds and some factions. Um, let's see. Free Folk, a little different. They're the outliers since they don't have one, but I'm sure if they had one, um, I mean, there's uh, just like a, a shot in the dark. I would assume that it would also be very high. Um, high Sparrow, like you were saying, uh, is eking out uh, Tyrion by just a couple points. Um, Baratheons is Courtney. Uh, let's see here. Next up on the list would be what, a Night's Watch or Neutral? Um, Night's Watch pretty far down. Uh, Jor, like you were mentioning, is number one for them, but uh, where is Al- or, uh, Yarwick? Is he pretty low? been doing well Uh, he's not been doing super well i don't think i think actually john and donald and maybe awful are the three lowest john snow donald noy and awful i believe you can scroll down i think they're the three worst yeah um i finally found them (laughs) that's surprising for me granted i've uh not really been keeping up with a lot of the uh tts stuff um and on like just a lot of the um stuff outside of like my own gaming group so i'm surprised uh i would rate them pretty high though i am very glad to see jorah is uh jorah is doing very well uh he is my personal favorite night's watch commander um so that's that's definitely nice to see but as you were saying it's definitely um uh nice to see things changing up and it is you know it's pretty obvious that NCU commanders are just inherently too strong. Um, and they were a great idea uh, to kind of include, but I think it is also a great idea that they've just kind of taken them out. Um, and for those, I've seen this argument uh, a couple places where people have talked about, it doesn't make sense that you can't have an NCU commander, but I would like to kind of throw throw this uh, this way of seeing it out there is that um, you know the commander is representing your the presence on the field uh, in my opinion obviously you're going to have possibly an NCU that outranks your commander on the field working behind the scenes but they're not really the ones issuing the orders Um, now you could have a commander that's far off trying to um, signal commands. Uh, Justin was telling me this little bit of uh, lore or like history 
is that uh you know commanders used to use like flags and you know horn sounds to signal uh troop movement and uh and orders and you know what to do but i mean you could kind of look at that as like a commander that kind of sits back like roderick in some bowman or something um that doesn't have to get up into the fight but i've always you know after they kind of released this i i kind of thought of it as you know if you have eddard let's say ncu and rob commander well by the logic of the ncu commander then wouldn't Eddard have to be the commander at that point as the NC, like wouldn't Eddard always have to be commander if he's um, selected. But uh, I think this is a nice way to say that, you know, your commander is who's on the field. You could have someone outrank them in the background, working behind the scenes, you know, maybe in a city far off trying to work deals to get you aid and get you, you know, what you need. Cause, um, I doubt, like, let's say Sansa is doing anything in the remote area of the battle. She's probably far off doing something to get, uh, you know, the effects that she's giving to the battlefield. Um, how about you, uh, Brett? Has, like, the change, does it make sense on, like, a lore standpoint for you? Or do you think it makes a little less sense? I, I think it does make sense to some extent. Um, I think with war games in general, and, and in specifically with this one, I think there's a fine line where you have to take the lore, the fluff, the, the background story, and, and you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because you still have to have a functioning game. I think game balance is going to trump the lore. Um, probably there's a lot of players that see it the opposite way. They want everything in the game and everything on the battlefield to represent how they would function uh, based on the lore. But um, I think the biggest thing for Simon to focus on is getting the game balanced. And I think they've done a really good job with it. Um, a lot of people complain about 1.6 um, and those complaints seem to be kind of piling up lately with some of these 1.7 teases. A lot of guys are just kind of ready to transition into 1.7, but as much as you can say, badly about the state of game state of the game in 1.7 you can say well you know starks and free folk are just so powerful and things like this but for the most part the game is still relatively balanced it's still really fun to play uh most of the games uh, particularly on the competitive level are still competitive there's still a game of course you have some really really bad matches you just see games where it's like uh you know baratheons into dragon and it's like man they're they just really don't have much chance but those are kind of few and far between. Um, for the most part, what you do in the game matters a lot. Yes, obviously there are some imbalances. Yes, there are things that are just a lot stronger than others. The Stark deck, for example, is just by far the best deck um, as far as keeping you in the game and always giving you a chance to win, even when your opponent has you basically down to one or two units. Those one or two units can use that deck and springboard into killing three or four of your opponent's units and they end up tabling you, but continue to balance things with some flavor in mind. They design these units with flavor in mind, but I think the balance of the game is the most important. And I think Dakota's on now if you want to introduce him. Yeah, I just uh, uh, just screened the number. Yeah, it's Dakota. Uh, and for those listening, uh, this is Dakota from Roll'em If You Got'em. Thank you so much for coming on. 
Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, of course. So uh, what's what's kind of your opinion of uh, some of the stuff that we've been discussing, like whether like the fluff and just the the idea behind uh, the NCUs? Um, behind the NCUs, I, I'm kind of a fan of kind of the direction of getting rid of these NCU commanders. I think it doesn't make, I wouldn't say make sense fluff-wise, but the, yeah, the commander's the guy that's on the field fighting, you know, fighting. So having one that, that's uh, NCU doesn't make too much sense, but also it's just the free activation. Like, I know you guys went through the rankings. Um, all the NCU commanders are basically the best in each faction. Um, and, I mean, outside of Night's Watch. Um, but they just, they add so much to this game right now um, that other commanders they just can't benefit off of. Yeah, I agree. And it's uh, and it's not like you're not going to have NCUs. You know, you're still going to have NCUs. And an NCU commander was essentially an NCU. It just allowed you to get a free activation. But I think I think that's the whole point of why, like, they're, so strong, you know, because someone could easily still take three, um, you know, NCUs compared to someone else who's going to take three NCUs and one of them be a uh, NCU commander. Um, so I think it was mostly just about uh, kind of reducing those free activations, and uh, and that's kind of uh, something I want to bring up about free folks. So. Uh, I think the fact that Free Folk never had an NC commander, they're not losing out on this part. And I know that their three-point raiders are now essentially four points. Granted, they're getting a free attachment, but it lowers sort of the cap on how many activations they can get now. But because they're not losing that NCU commander, I still feel like they're, in a way, it levels out. Maybe not completely. They, they might still be losing out on maybe two activations with the raider change whereas the ncu commander builds are losing out on one but it's not uh it's not as drastic as it might seem uh and then uh so i wanted to kind of go over and i'm not going to read them like read what they do because we've talked about them on other shows but to just uh kind of recap on all the NCUs they've revealed so far, uh, all of which are four or five points. We have Roos, Holland, Jacken, Shira, uh, Elio, um, Yor, Lady Val, Cersei Lannister, Sansa Stark, and Lord Varys, and Walder Frey. Uh, and I believe that is everything um, that they've revealed so far, but I think uh, I think three NCUs is still going to be a viable um, uh, list building uh, option. Now uh, we'll start with you, Dakota. How do you think these changes will change your personal list building uh, strategies? Um, for myself, I think I'll probably go back to more two NCUs. I think three three NCUs will still be viable, um, but I like having you know, trying to get five combat units on the table, if not four, like elite ones. Um, and I think it'll make it more where running a list like that is more viable instead of having to always, you know, if you're playing competitively, take the three NCs. Um, and just obviously going over, you know, looking at all these um, changes that they made, it just seems like everybody, yeah, obviously everybody that was a three looks like they're going to four. 
um, but they're also all a little bit more versatile. Um, so just picking the two entities that you want if you're taking two to have versatility, I think will be key um, and you'll be fine. Yep, and I would say for me, I'm about the same. Uh, I'm looking to try to go back down to two NCs, but in a tournament setting where you can uh, submit two lists, I'm probably going to always still have one of them be three NCUs uh, and probably 12 points. I'm probably not going to spend more than 12. I mean, it's possible I might do 13, but that it, it would kind of be my limit. Um, but with that said, uh, for the three NCU lists, I think if you know your opponent's only going to have two, let's say if both their lists only have two NCUs, I think Walder is normally just okay. I don't think he's anything like crazy. Uh, but I think if you have him as one of your three NCUs versus your opponent who only has two, I think he goes from just okay to amazingly good. Um, because now they are not only down in NCU options against you, but uh, you could essentially keep trying to take the crown every single round if they don't take it with one of two NCUs. Uh, now, granted, if you're Lannisters, you know, you're probably going to want the crown anyways, um, or possibly even Baratheons, but let's just even say for a faction that doesn't want it, really doesn't want it, um, maybe Starks or something, and they don't have, they would between their two NCUs, they don't have any replacement effects, so they don't run Peter. Uh, I mean, Walder in a three NCU list, first two NCUs, I think it's going to be a crazy big advantage. What about you, Brett? Bold of you to assume Peter's staying the same. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> they haven't showed him. So, um, no, with that said, um, uh, I think Walder has some strength. I think um, I think a lot of it's going to depend, right? So uh, the three NCU meta largely became almost mandatory. It's not that three NCUs is just that much better because the zones are just so good. Um, I think for a lot of reasons, 3NCU became the way to play the game because, first of all, it's your cheapest activation uh, in 1.6, particularly with having um, three-point NCUs in, I think every faction has at least one three-pointer. Let me think. I don't think anybody has all. No, everybody has at least one. So, with that said, for three points, you buy into an activation. Of course, Starks get their Direwolves for free, so that's technically the cheapest activation. So, but I think it largely was based on the fact that if you didn't run three NCUs, um, you were essentially giving, like, Starks and Free Folk and Lannisters with Gregor kind of the just free run of the board to play those zone replacement cards at will whenever they wanted. So what happens with the three NCU meta really hinges on a few things. It hinges on if they've toned down these zone replacement effects. Uh, does sudden charge still exist? Does sudden charge exist in the capacity that it exists in now? Does Gregor still have orders to destroy? Does it still exist in the same capacity? Um, is fainting maneuver still going to be a free charge um, off of the 
off of the horse, does fainting maneuver even exist? Um, what are they, have they done with direwolves? Are direwolves still a cheap way to fill out activations where you need to keep up so that you're not down two and three activations? All of these questions have to be answered before you can deep dive into what's going to happen with three NCUs. As it stands, I don't think, I think the, the simplest answer is you have people who are probably just going to run three NCUs no matter what. It's what they're used to. Um, that's just what they're going to do. Um, as far as the European guys, from my understanding, they have played three NCU basically since the onset of the game. Um, they just feel that it gives them that much of an advantage. Um, I am in that same boat right now with 1.6. I just can't get myself to make a 2NCU list and try to run it in any tournament. Um, but there are a lot of factors that we still don't have information on, some other questions that need answered, before I can really commit my answer to say how many people are going to be running to. It largely depends on cost what some of these other NCUs do that we haven't seen. Um, speculation is fun. I'm very curious to see how the 1.7 meta shakes out. Um, even after playing some games, I can't give a firm answer on what the NCU meta might look like. So I would say for those that are out there um, you know, listening, I think it's a bright future because I've been, I mean, it's hard to say because we haven't seen the full picture, but I like to, I'm in the boat that I like to use what's available as it becomes available. Even if it's not super accurate, it, it warms me up to the overall change. Cause if you, let's say you were just taking a hiatus from ice and fire uh, prior to all these uh, reveals, and then you come back quarter two after it drops, that's a big shock. That's a big change. And for a lot of people, that could be enough to, t you know, they'd be like, you know what, I it's too much of a change. I just don't want to deal with it. And they move on if they're, you know, not super invested in the game. Now, I, I'm in the boat that I like to, you know, just, test it as it comes out that way it's just less of a shock you know once it finally all does drop i've had time to warm up to a lot of the changes that you know i i can usually find you know the good in it and i would say that uh from my list building with the new stuff and the new rules i've been making it based on um no three-point ncus no ncu commanders and for those that are worried about, you know, 3NCU becoming obsolete, I assure you it definitely is not. Um, you just, you're going to have to actually sacrifice the field presence, uh, whereas you don't really have to in 1.6. Um, like I was mentioning before, you know, my original list, I was doing amazing with. I think I've only lost a handful of games ever with my best Stark list that only runs two NCUs. And... Um, I beat three NC lists all the time, but um, I was able to find attachments, not taking out units or activations to fit a third NCU. And I think where it kind of is unhealthy for the game is the fact that attachments are what are suffering. 
Um, I've ran uh, Jack and NCU, the, the current version, 1.6 version, and I can't kill anything because uh, I have to bank on a character kill because no one's running generic attachments, it seems like, you know, uh, except for rare occasions where they have like the awesome, uh, like, guardsman, guard captain combos. But, uh, you know, I almost never had any targets. And so that's when I just kind of put them on the shelf. But, how about you guys? Uh, we'll start with Dakota. How are you kind of feeling about the changes uh, and how it kind of affects the game? Oh, I'm a fan of all the changes that they've um, showed so far. I mean, it obviously is putting more onus on the combat units. Um, I do think the attachments are going to see kind of a resurgence um, with that because you might, even if you're like, all right, I'm going to rent, you know, the two NCUs, you're going to take that balance of points. If you have three points, you don't have an NCU to put in. You're going to maybe find one or two attachments. Um, hopefully all the attachments get like a points reduction maybe. Um, that would be helpful to make them a little bit more prevalent because they can be good. I mean, I'm just looking at this guard captain card right now. I mean, there's two, three different units I could put them in. I don't feel like I'd have to be um, forced to put them in like guardsmen. Um, he could really go in anything, um, you know, to make up kind of, you know, uneven points that I might have at the end without having to add them to you. But no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of all the changes that they've kind of spoiled so far for this update. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a healthy change. It's going to be a healthy mix between NCUs, combat units, and attachments, whereas I feel like it's, uh, you know, everyone, the top of everyone's list and then you filter it in with combat units and you go, okay, if I have some extra points, let's see what attachments. But uh, now I think you're going to see a lot more of an even spread across, uh, you know, the entirety of the list building for this game. What about you, Brett? Um, I think once again, um, so you said you've just been kind of playing with the 1.6 rules and cards and things like this with the uh, with the 1.7 um, spoilers that we've seen so far. Yeah, but I think again, you know, um, it's a little bit difficult for me to answer and give a lot of input um, on a topic like this. But I, I again, I'll just reiterate. I think um, I think a lot of it's going to hinge on some things that we still don't know. Um, it's going to depend on what these five-point units look like. Um, how good is a five-point unit? Is a five-point unit worth running two or three of them? Uh, or do you need to run more six, seven, eight-point units? What does uh, what's cavalry look like? What's uh, nice Cassidy Rock? What do Tully Cab look like? What does light cavalry look like? How are outriders? We've seen Zorse riders. Um, they can be pretty oppressive, but they're still really glass cannony. Um, a lot of these things will matter. Uh, and then the tactic deck in general, all of the tactic deck, how they've been overhauled, what's changed, what's stayed the same, things like this are, are going to play a really big role. Now, uh, Dakota, is there anything that you've seen, maybe not uh, a unit in particular, but uh, anything you've seen that's been revealed that kind of gives you worry? Anything that... Uh, you know, just something that uh, kind of goes hand in hand with the unknown since we're kind of waiting as it trickles in. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I can answer that question at this point. I mean, we've just there hasn't been really enough to say like uh, this worries me or that worries me. I mean, we've mostly just seen units how they've changed. I mean, there's obviously been themes with them, but I think they've all pretty much fit together. There hasn't been one thing that stood out to been like, oh, that's worrisome. Um, you know, as far as kind of what's changed. I mean, I'm a like I said, I'm a huge fan of every change that they've made so far that they've kind of spoiled. Yeah, I, I'd have to say the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of what I've seen, I've absolutely loved. I think it's a, a major step in the right direction. Um, personally, I think uh, some of the only changes that I'm a little worried about. But I, you know, with that said, uh, you know, as a disclaimer, I have faith in Simon that, you know, the full picture will kind of, you know, shed some light on maybe some concerns. You know, because as much uh, as we've seen, we just we don't know what the full picture is. But possibly just um, the the talk about uh, most things going to like four up the hit, um, combined with uh, the minus one potentially minus two to hit with like uh, the Holland Commander reveal, uh, put in some uh, um, skirmishers. So who knows, maybe there's like ways to up your ear to hit. So maybe that might counter that. But I think that's one of the only things that kind of concern me off the bat. Um, but back onto the um, the state of the NCUs. So Brett, what would you say is um, the best uh, reveal so far for NCUs and how you think um, uh, the field commanders will kind of flesh out for the you know, I, commanders I'm that really, I'm really a pretty big fan of Jockin. Um, I think it was a flavorful and really interesting rework. Um, I think, uh, well, we've obviously we've already seen that Howland exists in some level of, um, in some level of his current form. He actually got a buff, um, and then he went up to five points. I'm sorry, my daughter's following me around. Um, <laughs> he got a buff and then went up to five points. But copying that influence, yeah, it'll be really, really good. So the future of Howland, will, or excuse me, the future of Jockin kind of is decided by how many NCUs have influences and how good the, those influences are. So, um, yeah, I mean, it could just be a situation where maybe your building him to copy your own NCU, but if there's a, not a lot of influences that are really worth copying, then, then running him, hoping that your opponent has that NCU might not be the best, but as far as just building some synergies, I think he could be great. Yeah, I agree. And which oh, and also... of course, I'm a, I'm a fan of Varys. I think Varys is just... Varys is just amazing. Um, in my opinion, he only got better. Um, denying zones on the board, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's pretty nice. Um, in 1.6, it's, it's a nice thing to have. Um, canceling things like Walder Frey, uh, the current version of Walder Frey, you know, where he shuts your unit down. That can be really, really nice to have Varus, but I just really, really love the, uh, the 1.7 Varus. Just super flavorful, super cool. 
I agree. And less randomness uh, in the sense of his effect. You know, you know what you're getting. Um, that was always my biggest struggle with Varys was uh, in my main list. It was always Catelyn as my number one NCU choice. And then my sex, uh, second option was always a struggle between Varys and Eddard for some more healing. And I just, I could never decide because it was just, I guess it came down to how risky I was feeling at the moment because of his ability. I've been burned so many times by failing three or even four, all four of his uh, orders that, you know, I just would wish I would have went with Eddard, but his ability is so tempting. So now that his ability, you know what you're getting, it's, it's a lot easier to decide when you want to field him in certain lists that might need those abilities. How about you, Dakota? Is there any of the NCUs that have been kind of released uh, as of yet or as so far that uh, kind of stick out to you? Um, the one, I mean, the, I think the one that sticks out to me the most, I mean, he, I'm not going to say he's going to make it into like all my lists, but I think he'll definitely make it into some where I'm running to is Walter. Cause I think Walter is going to be awesome to put, and, like, you, I know you're talking about having him in, like, a three if you're playing with somebody with two, but I'm thinking, you know, I run a two NC list, He, him as one of them. You know, I can do whatever I need to do with my first, you know, NCU on the tactics board, and then I can just wait, and then whatever zone's open, I can take whatever zone I need. Um, you know, at, obviously at the cost of having to activate uh, everything before I can activate him. Uh, but it can be, like, a great setup, you know, moving – in between rounds um, to have to do him last. I, I think he looks really fun um, where you could catch your opponent out sometimes. And then if they're not paying attention, maybe sniping that first player turn. Yep. And I'd say Walder is in a weird spot. Like it really depends on a lot of things. So uh, if you're, if it's two NCUs versus two NCUs, Walder's mm-hmm. awesome. If it's, two NCUs versus three NCUs, you want Walder to be on the three NCUs, and you definitely don't want Walder if you only have two versus three. Uh, in a lot of games where I've played with Walder so far now, uh, anytime it's two versus two, he's awesome. Like He's not like crazy powerful, but he's really useful. Uh, in any game where I've played where it's he's in the three NCU list versus two, it's just... It's crazy, especially, you know, like you said, Brett, we don't know if he's changed yet, but with combination with Peter, you know, you take Peter on, like, to block the, the wealth and take the attack with a ranged unit, and if your opponent has no, no answer uh, and they can't take the attack uh, to actually use it, then you take it again. And then a third NCU later, uh, Walder, for another attack, I mean, it can get pretty nuts. Um mm-hmm. On the flip side, uh, if you only have two and your opponent has three, and let's say you activate your first one and you get something, and now your opponent has free range of three NCUs on any spot on the board and they know they're in no rush to take them, it's, that's also a big deal. So I, I think uh, Walder is definitely in a weird spot that I think the two-list format definitely helps Walder out a ton because it'll let you, you know, kind of experiment with having him in two or three or just two and not have to worry about running into a bad uh, like NC, like tactics board matchup 
How about you, Brett? How do you kind of feel about Walder and uh, his place in the 1.7, or I guess just in general? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 largely dependent on on what the meta is going to look like. I think if he's if you're fine with running to NCU and you're fine with kind of uh, doing stuff on the battlefield um, first, uh, he's probably really strong. Again, it's going to depend a lot on what you can pair him with. Um, if you've got an NCU that can pick up some of that slack, something like um, what the current Peter Baelish is, it might be a little bit okay. Um, even Walder paired with Varus, you can get some mileage out of Varus without him being on the board. You can claim, you know, just the one zone and then wait for Walder. I think uh, I think Walder's power is probably a little bit underrated right now because uh, it's just one piece of a puzzle. You're looking at it in a 1.6 vacuum. Um, and I think Walder... It, other, okay, outside of this, I think he's good. <laughs> I would definitely run him. Even if you look at him outside of, you know, people saying, well, I would never run Walder. Walder is just so flavorful now and so much less oppressive. For me, it's a win. Um, Walder, it just had to happen. Walder's change just had to happen. Um, he's a big issue with with 1.6 right now. It's not even just the blanking abilities. It's doing the wound. Um, there's just so many situations where, you know, something happens and you live with one guy and you're like, oh, awesome. I can, I can really maybe still make something happen with this unit. It's good to the last drop, you know, something like Berserkers, uh, Stark Sworn Swords, really anything. Just being able to get one final attack, but like Walter, it's just, oh, sad day. No matter what zone they claim. Uh, they can just kill me with Walder, uh, you know, and killing solos and things like this. I, it's just Walder. I've, I've seen enough. <laughs> I've seen enough <laughs> of 1.6 Walder. So I'm just happy that he got reworked. He's a big reason why we don't see attachments as well. Um, or if you're running something that's like a scary, powerful unit, you typically are running Varus in that list. If you're playing Free Folk, you're running you grit. You know, if you're running a giant, Bone Lord's Chosen, something like this that you care about being blanked, you're running you grit to cancel Walter Frey. And he's just got so much control over the meta right now, it's it's problematic. Yeah, and it's nice that, uh, it, you know, I'm sure Walter got changed because Simon saw what was happening with his current form. Um, I think a lot of you know, the things that are kind of too powerful that are requiring people to build a very specific way um, are probably getting changes, uh, which is nice uh, Nice to see. You know, it, it shows that they are actually, you know, paying attention to everything and that they're, you know, they're balancing, you know, everything the best they can um, between not just like the balancing within the games and the stats, I'm talking like balancing, trying to make a good game with pleasing, you know, uh, you know, all the, you know, all the players. Cause I've seen, you know, I played Warhammer 40 K for, you know, over 20 years. And I feel like when I see stuff come out for, 
that game. You know, I absolutely love the lore. I love the models. I love just about everything but the game system. Um, you know, I, I still like it enough to play it, but it bothers me because I feel like when a lot of the rules come out, it comes out with just whatever the person who made the army wanted to see and not really caring about what the players wanted. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, I just feel like Simon is, you know, doing an awesome job. So I can't wait to see what else they kind of drop. Um, so I would say out of all the NCUs, the one I'm most excited about, let's see, just to make sure I'm thinking of all of them. I think I'd have to say like a combo, kind of like, uh, you were mentioning uh, with uh, Jacken, um, co- uh, combined with Holland, uh, you know the what was the commander is n- you know now just an NCU five point NCU. I've kind of mentioned this on a on the previous episode, but I'm surprised because Holland is five points that Jacken isn't also five points because uh, normally if you can copy a strong ability, you're at least as many points as the ability you're copying or more. Sometimes they'll add on a tax to the points you're spending because you're getting, you're duplicating an ability for the potential of, you know, making it even better than it was before. So I'm, I'm just surprised Jacken who is technically better than Holland because he has the option to precision if he wished um, on a unit. Uh, that he isn't at least five. But I guess, you know, it's um, it's not like a huge deal. It's not like it's some game-breaking thing that's going to ruin the game. Um, just uh, something I was surprised to see. But I am definitely excited to see Holland uh, and Jack and Combo, you know, minusing a bunch of units everywhere to kind of, you know, keep units alive. It'll help my play style of Starks where I run, you know, really glass cannony units of like berserkers and other stuff and try to supplement their defense by adding uh, either healing or, you know, in this case, minusing to hit. And I think, uh, I think it might pay off. So I definitely can't wait to see how that turns out. How do you guys kind of feel about the, the Jack and Howland combos? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take this one first. I, I think it's a pretty cool combo. Um, I, I think Jacken, I mean, I think he's probably right at four points because, honestly, if I could take, in theory here, like Varus and Sansa in, like, one of my start lists, and then Jacken's kind of useless on taking that secondary, like, he's never going to pick up an influence, so all of a sudden you're paying four points for influencing precision. Um, so I, th- I think he's right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a cheap way to copy um, and spreading it around, um, you know, obviously – Holland will be the great, you know, I think he, is Holland the only influence that we've seen so far? Um, Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, So, I mean, that's just one of the ways, I mean, you know, that he could, you know, gain his value. But, I mean, I think it'll be some more other cool options that we end up seeing um, for for Yakin. But just the same fact of, like, being able to, you know, avoid him being strong by not taking influence commanders. Um, keeps him at his cost, but it, it's definitely cool.
Okay, so um, we do have a caller who had a question, uh, so I'm going to bring him on right now. Thank you so much for calling in. So uh, what was your question? Hello, guys. Uh, my question for the, let's say, the roundtable is uh, with the, pretty much the saying that uh, Simon is going to put the NCUs all to four points minimum. Uh, NCUs like ARIA the has attachments that require ARIA to be in the field. That is worth it to have a four-point NCU plus those attachments they have to be restricted with her being in the field or the the restriction should be like removed or what is their opinion? So uh, it's hard to say just because at this point it would just be speculation, but I feel like uh, that part might still be required. Uh, it is very fluffy and I don't know if they would take that fluff aspect out. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to say because uh, I don't think Arya has been revealed yet. So if if they've made her, I'm I almost guarantee that they've made her ability better because they did say that all the three point NCUs will be getting a slight bump um, to right. correspond with that point increase. But it's just the question of is it worth the bump and the ta the price tag of having to run her in order to run let's say Serio or uh, Jackin. Uh, obviously the yeah, start at that point you would be talking about like six points almost. So it's gotta be a, like almost a unit right there. Yes, exactly. Um, what do you uh, what do you think, Dakota? Yeah, I mean obviously she'll be getting the bump, but also um, we don't know anything about Sirio. He could also he could either be staying at two points how he is. He could be staying at two points and getting a bump. He could be staying how he is and going to one point. So we don't know how that kind of all that math is going to work out. Because like right now that combo is five points. If it went to six, I I could like currently if it was at six, I think it could still work just because I think it could be going to. I mean, if you're running maybe more two NCUs at that point, you're kind of getting those extra points back. And Serial, I think he's a great attachment already, but he kind of struggles from the, you know, kind of the current meta problems uh, that we do see. But, I mean, I don't know. I I think we'll just see. I think they're going to be seeing bumps around, uh, buffs going around, but I think it's definitely a flavor that they'll keep them kind of having to be paired together. So I'd like to add that I think in a vacuum, if we just say she gets a slight bump and Serio stays at two points and with the same abilities, I would say he's he's probably not worth that combo of points. But seeing as a lot of the changes that we've seen being really fair and really well done, I, I'm pretty sure they are going to change something in some way that's going to make the combo worth it because I think they would rather do that than take away the flavor of requiring uh, Aria to run Serio and or Jackin. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know, possibly a uh, a bump in Serio's effects or I think because um, I'm sure they'll do something on the end of Jackin and Serio uh, either a bump in their effects or a reduce in their cost because I think they're both two points. It's possible they could be one point uh, we are seeing really uh, strong attachments with strong abilities for one point, two points. So um, it's definitely in the realm of possibility. Uh, so um, what do you think, Brett? You think? Uh... 
Yeah, that's... so I, I think when they were talking about attachments, they said, as a general rule, attachments have seen their points reduced. So um, if stereo stayed the same, uh, using that type of logic, uh, like if you look at Jamie's uh, attachment and the way that it's changed, serial probably doesn't feel like a, a two-pointer with uh, water dancing and precision, particularly with uh, – so the power of serial is obviously precision stacking with the basic sworn swords. Uh, we know that that isn't the case anymore. So it's just an interesting question of um, what they would do with him. Um, I could see him being a one-point attachment, and then that combination still stays at five. But, again, the future of, of, of what's in store for Arya and Sirio, uh, it, it lies in what does Arya do for four points. If, if Arya, you know, uh, gets some level of buff, um, I guess they wouldn't put her as getting the effect of the maneuver zone because that would be just like Lady Ball, but it could be something like this. So you saw Sansa go to replacing Zone's effects to draw the cards, but instead of being able to do it all the time, she has to do it when she claims a zone, but she gets to do it twice. So you can see some kind of similar buff for Arya, um, and then maybe she's worth it. But as, as far as that combination goes, uh, Arya and, and Sirio, you just need to see what they've done with the two to see. Um probably can't be much worse than it is now. You very, very rarely see Serio. Um, seen him maybe, you know, he was in one or two of the energy lists the, you know, last summer. And then I haven't really seen him, but maybe once or twice since then. So um, he seems to be currently suffering, like Dakota said, from the, the same thing that uh, other attachments suffer. Uh, near auto-include of Walter Frey in at least one list and just uh, getting activations and, and value out of those activations, particularly for Starks. The first activate, the first attachment that they're reaching for is one that brings a dire wolf. So, Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, with what you were saying, Brett, about Sansa, it could be completely possible that you know, Arya changes to something like, you know, two order tokens and, you know, uh, what is her current one at the start of the round or something like that? Um, and I, uh, to be totally honest, I barely use her, so it's been so, so long since I've uh, actually used that ability. But, I mean... It's a free, free maneuver at the start of the round. Okay, yeah. So I would say, yeah, I guess two order tokens and then just use that ability twice at the start of the round, get a free uh, maneuver um, and you could do it twice. I, you know, you're essentially doubling her effectiveness while only adding one more point. Um, but also still being, you know, really worth it. Uh, I think, you know, especially when we've uh, speculated that uh, swift reposition that was revealed for which faction was it? Was it Targaryen's? Yes, Targaryen. Um, you know, it's completely possible that that replaces uh, Swift Advance. You know, because I feel like having both of them exist doesn't make sense. So, if Starks is only getting Swift Reposition, or maybe they're not even getting it at all, uh, you know, Arya would be a great way to supplement that uh, maneuver, uh, especially if she has two orders to do it. So. 
Um, I think uh, it really just depends what Arya comes down to be and what uh, Sirio come down to be. But I think, yes, it, in a in a vacuum, it probably isn't worth a six-point investment. But I, I'm confident that Simon has, uh, you know, has worked it in such a way that it definitely be, uh, you know, worth taking. Um, was there any other questions you had? Yes. Now that you mentioned the, uh, about Caesar Vance, uh, what I was thinking, if it, they pretty much taken away all the free stuff, like uh, free charge, free whatever, and Arya had that free maneuver. It also is uh, sometimes in some points is a little strong. I wonder if they, uh, they're they going to keep the free maneuver in any other card, or they just go, uh, it's going to be like a, a slowdown and more like a shift or something like that, replacing the free maneuver or stuff like that. Yeah, again, it, it'll probably be mostly speculation, but I think from what we've seen, uh, it looks like most everything is being toned down in one way or another, which I think is probably good. Uh, games are going to... Um, um, last much longer. Uh, I, I shouldn't say much longer. They're going to last uh, through the probably the full game uh, now. Whereas in my experience, most games were ending at like turn four and five because one uh, unit would just, uh, or sorry, one player would just, you know, trample on a bunch of uh, victory points early, and you know the game would just end super fast with. A lot, you know, it was very rare to not see at least one unit get nearly one-shotted. Not necessarily one-shotted, but, like, just charge and then, you know, basically be dead effective. And that usually happened in almost every game at least once. And because of that, games would go much quicker. I think with everything being toned down from what we've seen so far, I think the games are actually going to go through turn six uh, and... You know, I don't mean to, when I said uh, last much longer, I don't mean like you're going to spend another extra hour playing, but you're going to be spending enough to where it's really going to be a back and forth. I feel like it's, you know, you're not going to see these drastic combos that's going to just annihilate units or decimate them. Um, you're going to see a lot more of a, of a tug of war. What do you think, uh, Dakota? Yeah, I, I think it'll be more of a tug of war, um, grinding out. Kind of jumping back on like the whole Serio thing. I think well, I think what we'll see is like a improved cost of like uh, what abilities are gonna do. Because I mean, I was just looking at you know, we were talking about Serio there a minute ago. I'm looking at what if he would he be worth two points if you put him in like bloody member skirmishers? I mean, if he was in his current state and you made that like an eight point unit, I don't know cost. I'm guessing here. Um, that would be probably a really strong eight-point unit on the table. Would you consider Aria with her? Absolutely. Um, but, okay, go back to what you were saying. Yeah, I, th I think games are just going to be more of that kind of tug-of-war back and forth where it actually lasts all six rounds um, and not things just getting kind of uh, blown up off the table right away um, through some early charge. It's, it's definitely going to – I think it will be more tactical in the long run. What about you, Brett? Yeah, I mean, they, they want to decrease the amount of killiness. It's something that they've said. Um, this should see uh, a little bit more highlight, a little bit more value in these defensive units. And if that's the case, then, yeah, um, game could be more focused on 
meaningful plays that you make, positioning, and playing the objectives. So for our caller, um, how do you kind of feel about the NCU change? No more, you know, Holland uh, NCU commander, but we do have like a nice uh, Holland, uh, you know, five-point NCU and no more three-pointers. Uh, does that kind of change your your list building at all, or did you kind of already run two and now you're, you know, it's kind of same as it's always going to be? Okay, that's a tough one. Oh. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm very biased. I'm a star player from the beginning. Uh, I'm pretty much not going to change that in, for the rest of the game or the rest of my life. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was very upset in the beginning. Uh, I thought it was more like everything against Starks. They take everything for against Starks, especially when I saw the what happened with Berserkers. Uh, give me the feel it was more like uh, the same problem with the great access. Everybody thought they were like, it's too much. They're too broken. It had to be toned down. So to me, the changes in the beginning was more like an attack to the Starks. And I'm sorry to say it like that. Now that I will start playing with the new rules and the new uh, game modes, it's way different. Uh, it's n- all my fears that go out of the window in the first game, and I was like, huh, that makes sense. And, ah, okay, now I understand this. As soon as I start playing through the new rules, even with the uh, old units and everything, I start seeing little things here and there that are like, okay, I understand why is this happening now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've talked about this a couple of times, but I'm just going to reiterate it again. And I think Berserkers, pound for pound, you know, point for point, are better than they were before. You know, obviously, if you just, in a vacuum, put them side by side, the um, the current 1.6 ones look better. Uh, but in the grand scale, everything being reduced, attack dice value, so that's about the same. The fact that they're going to go from a four up to a three up to a two up on a, so throughout the course of the game, on average, you're still going to hit on roughly threes. Uh, not only that, early game when you charge, you're at least getting those re rolls with your fours. You know, with your hitting on fours early game. Um, and then it also, if attachments are getting much cheaper uh, and better, you look at it as you have one point to put into them of any combination you can think of to try to bring them back to the level or even better than the 1.6 versions. So I think it's just such a big change because for a lot of people, Berserkers were like a go-to. Um, you know, I think for a lot of Stark players, they you know they would run at least one Berserker because they're so good of a unit. And to see them lose Sundering and see them change in such a way, I think is one of just one of those things that kind of shocks you. And it's, and it's not until you really kind of deep dive into uh, the unit that you kind of understand um, the change of them. So it's it's nice to hear that you're able to like play some games and it kind of revealed itself to you. Um, and that's kind of what we all need to do. Um, I think with these changes, some might be really big shocks, and we just kind of need to get some games in to kind of ease our, you know, our mind. What do you think, uh, Dakota? How do you kind of feel about uh, 
about some of the changes that we we're just talking about. Yeah, no, uh, I, I mean, I play a lot of Starks too. I know like the Berserkers, I know they came out and people were like, oh, they're nerfed. I mean, I think they're better now also. Um, yeah, they're maybe not as potent on striking first, but obviously them going down in cost, you can more easily get an attachment in them. Um, and you're at the same cost. I mean, I'm just looking at the Umber Champion card because it's right above them because I have the preview sheet in front of me right now. I mean, for seven points, I can, without even having to influence with, like, Catlin anymore, I can be nine dice for every round my first attack if I want to with Vicious, and I'm getting plus one to hit, and I'm taking less wounds for when I get destroyed ranks. Um, If this is kind of, like, the theme that they go through where you know, they make units kind of be able to do the same thing, but better. Obviously, I think it's going to be great, which, I mean, to me, that's what it appears that they're doing. Yeah, and with Panic going to only D3 instead of D3 plus 1, their ability to reduce damage is pretty huge, because at last rank, you have a 66% chance that you take nothing, uh, which, you know, unless you need an ability to trigger because you passed a panic test means that you almost don't even care in a lot of cases if you mm-hmm. fail, because let's say you're at exactly four guys and you're at last rank, worst case you fail and take one wound, you know, granted without, you know, other effects uh, happening. But um, I think, uh, you know, even though they lost a morale, that ability alone makes them way more defensive than they their current 1.6 version. But did you have any uh, other questions uh, before we uh, close up the show? No, that's pretty much it. I'm just want to say like thank you guys for having this show. You've been helping um, the community and pretty much helping me to understand the rules, to see what's going on, and I uh, really appreciate what you guys are doing. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we we definitely enjoy doing it. And uh, it, it's always good to hear that it's, you know, helping people out. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for calling in and, uh, you know, for those questions. You know, that it's definitely something that's nice to kind of speculate and kind of start, you know, the gears turning of, you know, it helps you to sort of understand maybe the thought process of CMON right. uh, when things finally do come out. Um and just kind of taking each uh, each reveal, you know, one step at a time, I think is the best way to go about it. But yeah, thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, my friends and I, we cannot wait to see the the entire like release of everything. It's kind of sad they have like extra cards that I no longer go to use, but eh, it's whatever. Yeah, uh, that's a good point you bring up. I think we brought it up in another show, but I wanted to. Uh, I'll touch on it again here. Is that. Um, it might kind of suck to have to buy another card pack, but I'll I'll take that any day over having to buy a new codex uh, for like a right. or a new rule book for an army book for like another um, game, and um, those usually change just because they want to update things. Whereas the card packs are changing only because you know they're doing like a big overhaul of the entire game, um, and you know. My guess is it's, I think maybe someone released like a price somewhere at some point, but I'm sure it's only $20, $25 for the pack, which is nothing compared to like, I think uh, my new Death Guard uh, rule book came, or, or Codex came out and it's like $50 and it's like, uh, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can but, afford that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I only collect one 40K army now. I used to have like seven of them, and it was just too much. <laughs> that's my wife's rule. You're only one game. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was definitely a good choice. Uh, you know, this yeah, game you, is you definitely chose, awesome. You chose, a good, you chose a good one, for sure. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for calling. So, uh, with that said, uh, we're going to wrap it up here a bit. Uh, Dakota, is there any, like, last uh, highlights you wanted to touch on for about the NCUs and whatnot for uh, 1.7? No, no, I think I think uh, we uh, did kind of a deep dive there and kind of covered everything that could be covered. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, there's we have to speculate so much, but it's, <laughs> you know, if we waited for it to all come out, we would never be able to talk about, you know, even half of it by the time it all comes out. So there's always going to be a level of speculation, unfortunately. Um, but uh, it, it's it comes down to as long as you can kind of keep, uh, you know, a glass half full perspective of, you know, when you're speculating. Um, you know, it's it's never really a good idea to think the worst or to expect the worst of things. Um, so, and I think, uh, no one's perfect, but Simon, I think in the past has proven to us that they, they definitely care about the community and that they've, you know, have usually done things, uh, for the better in almost every case. Um, so, uh, what about you, Brett? Is there any, uh, last, uh, things you wanted to cover or talk about? Uh, Well, just one thing I want to shout out, um, you know, I, I try to stay as positive as possible about this game. That's not just because I'm, like, blindly defending Simon or anything like this. Um, of course, as you said, no one's perfect. Um, I would like to shout out that um, this is a big change, uh, but it's really the only big change that we've seen. I hear some kind of negative talk on some of these streams. People are saying, oh, it's just too many changes. The game's not stable. They really haven't changed that much um, throughout the entire life of the game, particularly for this being the first edition of this game, and they were kind of getting their feet wet. Like, they knocked it out of the park for their first – like, the the game when it was released, they just killed it. Like, it was so good for so long. They went back and tweaked Varus. I don't remember what it was. Maybe – I can't remember how far into the game it was because the game had been running before I started playing, but – they tweaked Varus in what, like March of 2019. So he had close to a year, right, in his original form. Because uh, it came out in Gen Con of 18, right? Yeah, so it was like nine months. But if you're talking about also like even before it came out, when they were like revealing it and people could even kind of test it, you know, uh, yeah, I mean it was practically a year. So, I'm not being a Simon Homer, but I am being a Simon Homer. They they knocked it out of the park. They gave us this game, and three years into it or so, it's still relevant. We're still having worldwide tournaments. Of course, we're doing TTS right now because of the pandemic. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I know for sure we would be having more locals and indie. There would be more cons. Um, people would be just buzzing right now about going to the actual Adepticon, 
but we have the pandemic. Uh, obviously, Indy's doing the replacement Adepticon, which is sponsored by CMON. I'll shout that out later. But if you take the pandemic out of the equation, would we have 64 people signing up for Adepticon in America? Probably. Probably pretty comfortably. So they've just done such a good job with this game. You've just, I think everybody just needs to open their minds a little bit and just really say they've given us this beautiful piece of work so far. Why would they sabotage it? Why, why would they and how could they completely sabotage this game? So just keep an open mind and wait until everything comes out. And then six, uh, I'll say three months. Three months after 1.7 drops, then we can start to have some very serious conversations about how well they did with the update. But I think everybody just needs to kind of sit back, take the teases as they come, and just have an open mind because you can see everything on paper, but you have no clue how it functions until you actually play it. Some of these lists that are tournament winners, uh, a novice player just looking at them would say, how does this win? This doesn't even look like a good list, but it's like a proven winning list. That's the difference in playing the game and just looking at stuff on paper. So everybody's got to keep that in mind. Everybody that's seen these teasers and everybody that's seen these spoilers, you've seen something on paper. You haven't seen it function in the 1.7 setting yet. So just try to cut them a little bit of a break and give them some benefit of doubt and just hold on for the whole thing. That's, that's all I say. Yeah, and that's a good point. And another thing to kind of um, expand on what you were mentioning about, you know, the changes, you know, most games, uh, I shouldn't say most games, I'd say a lot of games, especially Warhammer, you know, they change, you know, very often and lots of things about the things that they change, you know, they, lots of stats, lots of, you know, just lots of stuff overall. And, you know, it's, it's an adjustment, but, you know, you get by and, you know, you play the game. For CMON, this is going to be like their first major change to anything. Before this, it's only ever really been like a unit here, an NCU there, attachment here. Um, and so it was easier to kind of take in. But now I think it's it's one of those cases where so much is changing, uh, especially in a time where a lot of people can't get as many games as they wish, especially if they're not playing uh, TTS that uh, it just seems like a lot that uh, that they're going to have to get used to. Let's be honest, Dave, and I'm going to specifically call GW out here. Um, <laughs> I played Warhammer Fantasy. I can't be the only person. I played Warriors of Chaos. From 7th to 8th edition, myself and how many other people have 120 marauders, 100 marauders that are completely useless. You can't even give them away. Uh, Empire has flagellants. From 7th to 8th edition, they've got 40, 50 flagellants. Can't even give them away. And this isn't, uh, you know, realistically, did, did people buy four boxes of berserkers? Probably not. Um, but, like, 50 flagellants, that was probably close to 120 bucks. You know, 100 marauders, they came, I think, 20 to a box, 35 bucks a box or so. It's like $200. And GW is just like, eh, you know. They're going to be useless now. So uh, whatever you want to say about CMON, they are so good at circling back in a short amount of time. The thing I always say with A Song of Ice and Fire, 
if you feel that a model or if you feel that a unit's been nerfed and it's not really playable right now, don't sell it. Just put it on the shelf uh, for a little while. And play with them because they're probably still good in some facets. But in nine months from now, they'll be playable again. Simon is really, really good about this balancing thing. And they really do try to make it to where everybody can play with whatever they want and still play a good competitive game. So, Yeah, I would say uh, for this game, with the exception of like maybe like Jorah uh, solo, <laughs> um, that uh, you know everything is useful in this game. It just comes down to how many do you need to purchase. Because some there are some units that you know you're really only looking at maybe one of them ever in any list, so you just buy one of them. Um, it just comes down to how many more past that do you need to buy. But usually you're not going to run to that case that man I bought these you know this unit of something and only one of it and now it's not useful. So uh, I th- yeah, like you said I think Simon's really good uh, in that aspect. Um, but we'll uh, we'll end it off uh, with uh, Dakota. Is there anything you wanted to elaborate on any of that that we just talked about? No, no, I, I, I think we've covered it all pretty well. All right, awesome. So with that said, uh, we're going to do our uh, shout-outs. Um, Dakota, do you want to shout-out uh, maybe your uh, content or anything else uh, in addition to that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, you can roll them if you got them. You can find us on Facebook. Um, we do a podcast. We drop it biweekly. Um, usually on Mondays, kind of cover Song of Ice and Fire, some other games. I'm um, getting into some more terrain building, that type of stuff. Um, but just check us out on Facebook. Um, listen to us whenever you got a free uh, free time. Um, and I think that would be it for shout-outs. Um, uh, I'd just like to thank you guys for letting me come on today and talk about the game. Yeah, of course. Uh, Brett, how about you? Uh, any shout-outs? Yeah, of course. As I mentioned, I am getting I'm getting some uh, some working done to get the Adepticon sign-up sheet for 2021. Uh, it's I've announced it on Facebook. We're planning for around 24 people. Uh, currently, um, currently Shane has the space to house 24 people. Um, if we get more people interested, we can start looking into other venues. But at the moment, 24 is perfectly legal in Indiana. It follow, He can keep us six feet apart, uh, no problem. So everything at the moment is lined up and good to go. Um, I'm going to get that sign-up sheet out. And, again, if we get more than 24 people, for that'd be great. Uh, but we can look into uh, possibly renting this J.C. Penney building that's in the same parking lot. Or worst-case scenario, we could rent, like, a conference room at one of the hotels that are close by to kind of keep everybody within walking distance of each other, you know. And uh, we can accommodate more. But with that said, we are doing an in-person event. It is run through Simon's uh, competitive play. So um, if this COVID thing does go away, it will be the first in the uh, competitive series in America. So it's definitely something you guys want to come out for. Um, if you place, you'll, uh, my understanding is you get some, some level of ranking for how well you did, and then eventually they're going to do like a playoff in the Americas for the highest-ranked players. So should be really interesting, should be really fun. Um, aside from that, uh, Dakota stiffed his guy. Um, 
I, those of you who don't know, probably do know, I've befriended the uh, Gamers Haven guys. They're great. Among that group, besides Carl and Dakota, is also uh, Chris Bolton, Bolton Skincare, Sunday Slaughter, however you know him. Uh, he's doing some podcast work, too. His battle reports are just amazing. So I don't know why Dakota didn't mention his guy. I'm picking up the slack for you. But, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Really good group of guys, really, really solid gamers, um, and they're just fun to talk to and hang out with. So if you get the chance, check out some of uh, Chris's content and, of course, every content creator out there who's putting their personal time and oftentimes their money into um, creating content to keep the game going. Um, if you haven't registered for a Song of Ice and Fire stats, register, start logging games, see how your favorite commander's doing, see how your favorite faction is doing. Um, Chase from On the Table Gaming is constantly doing interviews with Fabio and Michael, keeping you up to speed on that. You'll want to check them out. Uh, I literally know way too many content creators to plug all of them. Uh, <laughs> but just, uh, yeah, just do your best to look at everybody's stuff and uh, check them out. And then um, you're supporting them by doing that. Um, even if you don't spend money just giving them views and likes, you're helping out, and it's kind of a, like a pat on the back to just these guys for spending their time and money to make the content for this game. So I am always in support of content creators. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, definitely go check out all those channels, you know, if you have the time. Um, I know myself, I, I have way too much free time at work that uh, I can never – find enough content, uh, which is why it was awesome when um, uh, Sunday Slaughter came out with their um, their podcast. It just gave me some more content, and it's really great work. I definitely recommend it as well. Um, I believe they have a weekly show, if I'm not uh, mistaken, so every week you'll get an episode. Um, so definitely go check out their Patreon, uh, which they are currently doing. Uh, to, become, to get some benefits and just support their content. Um, as far as uh, our content, you can find it in all the places I had mentioned at the beginning of the show. I would really appreciate it if you just like, follow, and share out the show when and wherever you can with friends, both uh, if you're currently uh, you know, seeing your friends in person uh, with the guidelines, you know, share it with them and uh, word of mouth or even just anywhere over social media. Um, you know, I will personally be at the uh, Adepticon Indie event. Uh, so I would love to see you all there if you can make it. Um, but with that said, uh, you know, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much, uh, Dakota, for coming on uh, and talking to uh, with us about this uh, topic. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. And uh, to the rest of all of you, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.